invite the kids to come up at this time and join me up front. You want to come on up and talk a little bit with me? I'd love to hear your nicknames. So be thinking about if you have a nickname. All right, do any of you have a special name that maybe a mom or a dad or a grandpa or grandma calls you that maybe other people wouldn't? Any of you have a special name? What's your special name? Gabby? Yep, that is a very special name because your full name is Gabriella, isn't it? Do you have a special name? Addie Sue? Okay, that is a fun name. Do you have a special name? Yeah. Junebug? Oh my goodness. Your mom calls you Junebug. Okay, do you like getting called Junebug? Yeah. <laughs> we won't tell her that you, if you like it or not, okay? You're smiling, so I think so. So I had kind of a funny name when I got to college. People called me Bogey Red. Now my name is Josh or Joshua, but I had people call me kind of a different name. Now, names are important. Do you know what my name, Joshua, means? It means the Lord saves, which is the same meaning that the name Jesus has. So in the Old Testament, Joshua is the Lord saves, and in the New Testament, Jesus is the Lord saves. And I bet all of you have names with special meaning. Now, I want us to think about God's names. What are some of the names that you use when you pray to God or worship God? Yes. The Holy Spirit. That's a great one. What other names do you use? Yeah. The Lord. That is a good one. Yeah. What do you say? When you pray. Yep. What do you say when you pray? Well, you can just look well, at My dad starts first. Your dad starts first. Does he say Father in Heaven? Yeah. Yep. What other names do we have? Yeah. The Father. The Father, that's right. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've been learning a special name that we use for God. Does anyone remember what the person we were focused on in our? The good, the good shepherd, that's right. Now, what does a shepherd do? Yeah. Take care, of Take care of sheep, that's right. And so when we pray, one of the things that we remember is that we have a good shepherd who takes care of us and provides us with food. And this morning, what we're going to talk about is that the good shepherd helps us to rest. All right? Can you pray with me before you head back to your seats? All right. Good Shepherd, thank you for loving us. Thank you for helping us to find food, for giving us places to live, and also for helping us to rest. And we pray that you will help us now as we listen to the Bible to listen well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys can head back to your seats.
And as they're heading back to the seats, let's uh, remind ourselves of our memory work for this sermon series. Uh, let's say together, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We've been working our way through the Gospel of Matthew over the last couple of weeks, and uh, the sermon series that we've been working through is focused on two main things. Uh, one of them is that we would fall in love with Jesus, that we would love Jesus more as our good shepherd, the one who cares for us, who provides for us, who leads us, who is present with us in the dark valleys. And so that's the first part. And the second part is that uh, just like Jesus, when he sees the crowds, he has compassion on them. When we see the crowds in our lives, that our first thought is not judgment. Our first thought is not, oh, what a bunch of fill-in-the-blanks, but that we would see them as hapless, helpless, harassed people who desperately need Jesus, just like we do. And so that's our dual purpose. That's our two goals as we are working our way through the series. And uh, this morning, we continue to do that with a familiar passage at the start and then uh, sort of an explanation of that passage. And so if you'd like to follow along, we're going to be in Matthew chapter uh, 11, and we're going to be reading verses 25 through chapter 12, verse 21. And before we read, uh, we're going to pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the time that we have to worship you. We thank you for accepting our praise. We thank you for giving us a word of greeting and welcome, for filling us with your spirit. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to be together and encourage one another. And we pray now that as we listen to your word, that you would open our ears, our hearts, and our lives. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. One of the things that is of great challenge in 2023 is listening to the right voices to lead us. Often when we tune into the evening news, the internal response that we have is not one of security or hope or peace, but of being riled up or angry. Think about the people you listen to in, uh, on the podcasts that you subscribe to. Or perhaps some of the voices that you trust most. When you're done listening to them, when you're done watching them, are you more amped up and angry? Or do you find yourself ready to rest? When you come to church, is the message you hear one where you leave thinking, I need to do more. 
I need to be better and work harder. Or is the message you are hearing in God's word one of rest? That's the question that our text asks us this morning. What leader or leaders are you listening to and what message are they asking you to believe? At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you pleased to do. For all the things have been committed to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. For your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and the disciples were hungry and began to pick heads of grain and eat them. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath. And Jesus responded, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. We don't have time this morning to get into that, but another look, uh, what comes out at 5 o'clock tonight, focuses on those couple of verses if you want to learn more. Haven't you read in the law and the, that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something, someone greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what these words mean, that I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any one of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And so he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. And so aware of this, Jesus withdrew from the place, and a large crowd followed him, and he healed all those who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him, which was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant who I have chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised weed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out, till he has brought justice through to victory. For in his name the nations will put their hope. This is the word of the Lord. There are two kinds of yokes. Chances are you've seen both. The first kind of yoke is uh, a beam that stretches across typically the shoulders of two animals, 
right? We've seen it over maybe two horses or two oxen. Uh, but the goal of the yoke is for the two animals to be strapped together in order to jointly work and pull in the same direction and complete the work. And so perhaps we've seen two horses attached to a carriage or perhaps to a plow, but together that work gets accomplished. And for some of us, when we hear the word in Matthew chapter 29 that Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, we imagine that we're sort of Uh, Jesus is sort of throwing his arm around us and the yoke gets strapped and Jesus is primarily carrying the burden and we're sort of walking together with him. But that's not what the kind of yoke Jesus has in mind. It's the other kind of yoke, the kind that gets strapped to one person. Perhaps you've seen it primarily for carrying buckets of water in other places around the world, but in order to better distribute the weight, in order to use a stronger part of the body, there's a yoke that goes around the shoulders and then cords or ropes hang down so that the weight can be more easily distributed and more can be carried. And that's the kind of yoke that Jesus is talking about. But the kind of yoke that he is putting on the shoulders of those he follows is not a kind where you can carry more. It's not that Jesus says the yoke I'm giving you because you're weary and burdened will allow you to actually pick up all of the hard things and the rules and all of these things and you'll finally be able to manage. No, Jesus says the yoke I'm giving you will get you back to the point of it all Because the yoke that you're carrying is really, is me carrying you. And the next two stories we have allow us to see exactly how Jesus is working that out. But I want to try an image out with you to help us think through what the Pharisees are doing versus what Jesus is doing. And in order to do that, I need us to head down Burlingame or Byron Center and make our way to Whistle Stop baseball fields, specifically the youth fields. There are four youth fields, and all of the youth fields have beautiful green fences around them. They all have tall backstops, and they have fences that go all the way around and encircle each field. But inside each of these youth ball fields is another fence. Now this inside fence doesn't actually go all the way to the ends. So out of play actually doesn't have the smaller fence. It only goes about to the foul line. The new fence only goes to the foul line. But chances are, as you're thinking about it, you're thinking, I didn't even know there was another fence around there. Because the only thing you see is the inside fence. And the only fence that matters in the game that's being played is the inside fence. Right? If somebody hits a really far ball, the outfielder doesn't get to the fence, go around it, and then plant themselves under it to catch it. 
If they go around the fence, it's a home run. Because the new fence is the one that matters. Now, Jesus and his disciples are walking through grain fields. And there are some rules that God has given to his people about how to honor the Sabbath. Don't harvest, don't plant, don't work. Don't build a fire. Don't gather manna. There's some very specific things. And the Jewish people practiced Sabbath. And it set them apart from everybody else around them. And so in some ways, the Sabbath had become a point of national pride. You celebrated the Sabbath because you were Jewish. And so what grew up over time were these inner fences to help clarify what it means to follow the rules. Because one of the rules was you couldn't carry a load. What does that mean? If you have surgery, you are told you cannot carry a gallon of milk. It's too heavy. So let's imagine together that carrying a load is a full gallon of milk, and you can't do that on Sunday. And so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who know this want to help out, and so they say, okay, you can't carry a full gallon of milk, so every Saturday night you got to make sure that you have a half gallon of milk in the refrigerator so that you can honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The problem is, of course, you've had a busy week and you have forgotten to get a half gallon of milk. And so the full gallon of milk doesn't quite have a full amount of milk in it, but if you pick it up, you'll dishonor the, the Sabbath day because it's now considered a load. Notice the inside whistle-stop youth field fence. So the rule is don't harvest don't thresh. It's a nice word. Let's all say that one together. Thresh. Really get into it. Spit in the, the hair of the person in front of you. Thresh. Okay. So when the disciples are walking through the field, they do what kids do, right? They pick up a couple of those long stalks of grass and they begin, begin to pull off the seeds. Well, that has now, inside fence, been considered harvesting. Is that really what harvesting is? No. But notice the inside fence which has formed and the rubbing together of the seeds in order to get the grain that they can then pop in their mouth, that has now become and defined as threshing. And what has grown up in the Jewish world around that time is not only these inside whistle-stop youth field fences, but also all kinds of people who are watching to make sure that you don't violate the rules. And so every time you go for a walk on Sunday, you're worried that somebody is looking out their window to make sure that you haven't gone too many steps too far so that you can't make it back to your house. It's worth wondering, why in the world are the Pharisees watching Jesus walk through this grain field, if not to simply catch him?
Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. When Jesus says this, he is saying this to people who have spent their entire lives being told by the people they trust, the voices of the leaders in their lives, to be on the lookout and on constant guard because you never know how you might just be violating. And Jesus doesn't say the rules aren't important. He doesn't come and say honoring the Sabbath doesn't matter. He doesn't even say you shouldn't harvest. You shouldn't. He doesn't say that now you can do whatever you want. He doesn't say that at all. But the principle and what, what is over all of it is something he said to the Pharisees before, and that is, Go and learn what it means to desire mercy instead of sacrifice. And I can't help but wonder. I can't help but wonder if after listening to some of the podcasts that we listen to, If in our heart of hearts, we are really feeling more merciful and therefore rested. In the coming months, we're going to have presidential rallies. And I wonder if after leaving a presidential rally, the feeling we will have is one where we desire mercy and we feel more rested or where we will be more riled up and angry and ready to attack the other side. I wonder about the people we call leaders in our lives, the people we put our trust in, the messages they offer. Are they like Jesus saying, when you are weary and burdened and weak, the place you need to go is Jesus. It's not a political platform. It's not a way of life. It's not a new diet and exercise regime. It's not a new set of friends. But the place where you need to go is the one who created you, who sustains you, who who saved you, and who now walks beside you. And I wonder that as Jason was sharing these verses for the graduates, as you think about the voices and, that you listen to and, and what is next in your life, is the message you're hearing the, ves- the message of Jesus to rest? The message of mercy? Because that's desperately the one that he wants each and every one of us to hear today. You and I have heard a lot of deconversion stories, and we'll close with this. 
over the last couple of years. People who said they've grown up in church their whole lives, but they leave the faith. And when you listen to their stories, they almost all have one thing in common. The church was a place of rules, and they felt that they were constantly watched. My hope and my prayer, and I would trust after a morning like this, would be that if you're growing up in First Cutlerville, the eyes are not watching you. They are laying their hands on you. And they are cheering for you. They are the great cloud of witnesses that are not shaking their finger, but are beckoning you to continue to come to the one who gives you a light and gentle yoke. And the message of the gospel is the good news that our Savior Jesus Christ has taken the heavy burden that we deserve to have on our shoulders to carry the guilt of our sin and the weight of our shame, and he has taken it to the cross where it has been crucified. And we have been given new life. Resurrection life. And we now walk with the mercy yoke on our shoulders as Jesus, our friend, walks beside us, the good shepherd. Let's pray. Lord God, some of us have spent a lifetime in church and the message we hear or have heard is one of do better, try harder. God, maybe for the first time, we would ask that you would break through that falsehood. That you, by the power of your spirit, would destroy and undermine those lies so that we might hear the sweet, gentle words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. God, some of us need to be convicted about the messages that we are hearing. Because the truth is that sometimes we like to get riled up. We like feeling like we're in the right we like feeling like the Pharisees being able to point at people who are messing up and getting it wrong and doing it incorrectly. And there's something justifying and righteous. Oh God, we need forgiveness for that. And if that's us this morning, God, would you convict us and help us to hear the voice of Jesus that you desire mercy, not sacrifice. And God, if we are feeling crushed, bruised, smoldering, may we be reminded that you came not to break the bruised reed or to put out the smoldering wick, 
but to bring justice and hope. We pray all these things in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen.